Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well then, welcome back, welcome back. Hey, thank you for your patience with last week. I was a little under the weather. So I just uh, sometimes, just to let you know, just to be transparent with my audience, sometimes I, uh, you know, I'm, I have some pretty severe lifelong injuries here from this uh, head-on crash. And so sometimes they just, uh, they work me over a little bit and I'm unable. But, uh, but through the grace of God, thank God, I'm, I'm able today, and I'm glad today, because today's a show that I would not have wanted to miss. Hey, listen, by the way, I hope that you, those of you who listen, because apparently a fairly large amount, listened uh, last week to uh, the message. It was actually a replay of a live message uh, that I preached. It, 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 people say, well, you missed Easter. Uh, that Easter's already been. But it, it wasn't an Easter message, but it was... Um, it was a message I delivered live, and it's one of the strongest responses uh, I've ever had in a live performance I've ever done or a live sermon. And so uh, it was my pleasure to do it again. It's my most requested sermon, oddly enough. It's one of the most downloaded um, MP3s and all that stuff and off of my Dropbox and all that stuff. Last count, I think it was like 450-some thousand people have downloaded that. And that's for free. You can do it for free. You don't have to do it off of that, though. It's a lot easier now with the website, uh, theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com, or drshawngreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R, greener, like as in greener than the grass. So I hope that you enjoy that. If you didn't listen to it, uh, you know, I would encourage you to download it. Uh, Jesus Who Tortured for Love. Uh, it's very difficult for me to get through that message without crying, let alone tearing up. Uh, it is a very difficult message for me to deliver, and it's it's a pretty pretty darn powerful uh, pretty darn powerful message. We have a caller already from the eight one eight area code. If you're calling, um, let me see here. I don't know. That is not our guest. So let us just see. Let's see who this is. As you know, it can go good or it can go really bad, and. I've got some really crazy people following me now, um, and so I am very, very careful uh, about who I bring on. The I mean, death threats, the whole bit. It's it's kind of nuts. Um, that said, it is what it is. I mean, this is just this is the world we live in now. You know what I mean? 
if you espouse a certain principle, you're going to have people that seek to trip you up. Uh, they seek seek to uh, make you, you know, try try to cause you trouble and to be ignorant and all this. So yeah, I get death threats and um, all of that. Hey, I'm going to be opening the chat room right now. Let's see if it works. So anyway, uh, so I sent you a text message, and uh, I'm trying to determine who you are by our back channels. So if you would like to check your phone uh, and let me know who you are, who this is calling in, uh, I will not bring you on until I know who you are because I do not recognize your number. Um, So today is the day. Uh, The Ninja Pastor is, is coming at you with, should Christians be wimpy pacifists? Should Christians even be willing to defend your life? You know, should we? Should we be wimpy pacifists? Uh, the subtitle of today's show is is uh, Don't Make Me Kill You. And, you know, it's just one of those things that um, people, look, Christians among any of the groups are, you know, good people uh, for the most part. But we can have our jacked up folks, too. And then just like any other group of people, sometimes they just don't know uh they just don't know who they are. I guess I guess I should put it this way. We just don't know who they are. They don't know what scripture is. They don't they they, they twist in the wind and uh they fall for everything and they're not willing a lot of Christians are not willing to invest the time in scripture. Uh but what they will believe is a meme that says something that they want to believe that they think makes sense. Uh welcome to Northern Ohio by the way. Um good to have you. It's an honor to have you every week. Um and uh, so we're we're glad to have you. Um, all that said, to say this that you've got to study scripture. You know, obviously I'm Reverend Doctor Sean, so I'm I'm that guy. So uh, I'm the type of guy who um, I just really believe. I just really believe. Look, you got to study it if you're going to claim it. If you're going to claim to be a Christian, then let's learn all you can about what it means to be a Christian. Just like when I talk about Islam. I'm not talking out my rear end about Islam. I'm considered to be a nationally known, actually internationally known now, uh, expert on Islam. I'm completing another doctorate. Um, this one is a doctorate of divinity. And I spend a lot of time studying and and researching Islam, not just from other Christian writers, but but mostly, I'll tell you, from uh, from Muslims themselves and their own writings and recordings and things like that. You say, well, you're only picking and choosing. No, I'm using their holy book. Their holy books, actually. So so I'm, I'm going to encourage you today. This is going to be an, encourage, uh, an encouragement session for you, but it's also going to be some powerful information that I don't think that you can I, – I don't know. I mean, you could try to poke holes in it if you want to. Uh, but this is this is a message uh, after our – look, we have special, special guests today. I'm going to tell you about who they are in a second. This is going to be a powerful, powerful message directly from Scripture. And I'm going to give you not only an impenetrable foundation for personal sovereignty, sovereignty, but also from national sovereignty. But you know what? Hey, if we don't even know what we stand for faith-wise, we have to have some sovereignty faith-wise. We have faith sovereignty. We've got to have that. All right, so the duty of the government to protect and preserve lives of citizens. How is that being eroded Really, on a daily basis. How's it being eroded? The police aren't policing. God bless them. I was one. Uh, it's a very difficult job. 
every day it's more difficult. Our military are being punished for humane acts, saving people's lives, protecting a kid, a boy from being uh, welcome to upstate New York, by the way. Um, welcome to Florida, Alabama, Alabama. I love Alabama. Listen, uh, let's see here where we got. We got oh, we got some people in all over. All over. That's pretty cool. It's this new thing I can look at as people log in. Uh, and then, of course, we have chat. Chat is open now. We've got two of our great, great people over, great listeners over in chat. Um, but you've got your military saves the life of a kid who's being, a little kid who's being raped and uh, by a dude, by the way, and a uh, Muslim, because you're allowed to do that. If you're a Muslim, you can do that. Um, and so he saves the kid's life and keeps him, keeps him safe and then uh, lays a thump on the, uh, on the bad guy. And he's in trouble. He's going to get kicked out of the military and, and be uh, charged with some crimes, and it's ridiculous. But you've got illegal alien criminals in safe zones. You've got transsexuals uh, or men in dresses. They don't even have to be transsexuals, really. You've got rampant abortion, but you've got transsexuals. The world, this is uh, James Woods. The world is fighting Islamic terrorism, starvation, and disease, but Democrats are fighting for men to pee in the ladies' room. It's insanity. That's what we've got going on in, in restrooms now. It's it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And we're talking about it. it's asinine. I, I can't believe we're actually talking about it. Uh, but we have to because if we don't talk about it, they'll depend. Now, what do we have here? We have uh, Bruce Springsteen. He has bailed. Uh, you know, he's put people out of work because he had people really go on the line for a lot of stuff for his concert in North Carolina, North Carolina, and. They call it an anti-LGBTX bill, but it's not an anti-LGBTX bill. It's a bill that says, read the bill. Go on there and type it up. Read the bill. You'll see it's, it's not an anti-LGBTX bill. It is a bill that says, look, if you're a dude at birth, you can't go in my daughter's bathroom. If you're a woman at birth, you can't go in my son's bathroom. You can't do it. And you know what? I'm not a kid, but I don't want you in there with me either. Am I afraid of you? No. But it's no business. But the government is telling you, oh, no, you've got to do this. Does the duty even have does – is the duty of the government even to preserve and protect our lives? Because they're not doing it, if that's the case. They're not doing it. The government does control our bodies. Hey, think about it. Vaccines, they tell you, look, wherever you stand on the vaccine, vaccine deal, well, I, you know, wherever, whatever side. I mean, I have people uh, that are close to me that are very pro-vaccine, and I have other people who – are very close to me, who I love and respect very much as well, and they are anti-vaccine. So you've got vaccines. They're going to stick a needle in you if they want to. Illegal suicide. Punishment for what I ingest. Now, I want to say this. I don't want to gloss over illegal suicide. But I, but I need you to understand that, um, and people give me a lot of grief. The Christians, they, they, they give me a lot of grief because they say, what are you, pro-pot? I think, you know what? I don't understand how alcohol is illegal or, or is legal and causes all the problems that it does. And marijuana, if you want to grow it in your kitchen or your backyard or whatever, that's illegal. It doesn't make sense to me. Am I saying I want to, although I have a prescription for it, I, won't, I don't take it, but I have a prescription for it. I don't understand how you can make that illegal. It doesn't make any sense. For what I ingest, the food, the drugs, you know, the things like that. Come on. But you want to tell me I can't drink a certain amount of soda or pop to my, my folks in, in Ohio. 
in Minnesota. You know, I mean, come on. I, look, I, I'm not a pro-soda guy, and there's, there's, they don't pay me anything to say I'm pro-soda. But the bottom line is they're telling us an awful lot of stuff we could put in our body can't put in our body. Michelle Obama ruined Oreo cookies by getting the trans fats taken out. They've never been the same. They don't dip right. They don't. It's just a bad deal. You want to talk about bring me to the point of almost suicide. You dip an Oreo cookie nowadays, although I'm off that because my body's a temple. So far today, pray for me. It's a tough one. But the Bible says our bodies are God's property, so we're not permitted to treat or destroy them as we please. I'll go over this more. I'll go over this more, but I'll throw a couple scriptures at you. Or know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Glorify God and therefore your body. I'm going to talk about some other stuff, too. That's 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. I'm going to answer all the questions you have about that definitively. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we're so lucky right now. Uh, Pam Leslie and Mark Herr, or, or as we like to call them, Mr. Leslie, Mr. Mr. Pam Leslie, because he married an awesome, awesome person. But it all just aside, one of my dear, dear friends. I mean, I'm just, every time I'm around him, I just, I love him that much more. He's a brother, uh, also fellow military guys, retired. Um, but he, he and Pam and and Michelle and so many people, uh, Bill, and, and just such a, uh, oh, hold on a second. I just had a listener send me a message. This is an urgent message. Do not make the mistake. I'm going to put this out there, and you know this is a deal breaker. You know I wouldn't give you bad information. You know that this is important, so you might want to get a pen or pencil or something like that. I'm going to tell you, you do not want to get the fake Oreos, the pretend Oreos. Don't mess with those. Don't mess with those. Just just go ahead and go to the straight Oreos, uh, double stuff. Don't mess with the single stuff. I don't even know what the point of those are because the single stuff used to be real Oreo cookies, and then everything's gotten smaller. The burgers are smaller. The fries are smaller. Everything's smaller. Get the double stuff. Get the real ones. Don't mess around with the fake ones. Please, whatever you do, don't let me see you. I'll, I'll, I'll do an intervention. I will do an intervention if I see you. With pretend Oreo cookies, like the the imitation ones, I'll stop you. And I won't even eat them for you. That's how bad they are. You want real ones. But but the trans fats are gone from them, so they don't dip right. They don't taste right. It's just a mess. It's a mess. But we are so excited to have Pam. Is Mark with you, Pam? Yes, he's right here. Double bonus. I'm going to eat some fake Oreos. Don't do it. Don't do it. My gosh, how can I warn these people? I'm trying to save them from trouble, but uh, so. But anyway, so but Pam and Mark, uh, they are they just are laying it all on the line. You, you guys hear me talk about Center for Self Governance all the time, right? You you guys always hear that. Well, uh, look, audience, these these people live it. They live it. They breathe it. Everything they do uh, is their faith, family, Center for Self Governance. Um, and I'll tell you what, it, it is just amazing to me what they do. And I always worry about them because they kill themselves. I mean, they're, they're burning the candle at both ends and in the middle uh, with a blowtorch. They are uh, really, really giving it all they have. I say a lot of times, and I don't know, Pam and Mark, if you've heard me say this, I say a lot of times when I'm doing my show, because I dedicate my shows to uh, veterans and to Gold Star families, I, I have to say, uh, and I mean this every time, is when I look out over Arlington and, and cemeteries all across America, and I see those crosses uh, above the the uh, 
the soul, the, the bodies of American servicemen who, who died serving, uh, died for us and, and representing us, I have to ask, are we worth their sacrifice? Well, Pam and Mark and Bill and Michelle and so many others uh, that are so involved with this movement, uh, they are they're pretty uh, humbling to me. So I would even add them to the list. Are are you worth their sacrifice? Pam and Michelle and Bill and, and Mark's, um, I see what they go through. I mean, Mark stays with us when he comes and does his Delaware tour. And I think six, eight, six or eight weeks he'll be back. Um, I just completed with some great friends of mine, uh, Level 5. We're the first in Delaware to complete Level 5. And uh, this guy, I mean, works himself to death. So, folks, welcome Pam and Mark from the Center for Self-Governance. Hi, Sean. Did Thanks you... for having us on today. Oh, are you kidding Hold me? Hold on. Let me, finish my, let me finish my fake Oreo. Hold on. Yeah, it's not very rewarding. You know that, right? It's not re- – you know uh, that. According, according to one of our students here in Burns, uh, Harney County, Oregon, we're, we're doing a level three today. Uh, Louis, Louis was saying that uh, there's the dollar store special Oreos, and um, those are really, really delicious. Are they really? <laughs> Do you have a group with you right now? You're actually doing an interview from a level three. A level three in Harney County, Oregon, um, the the place that everyone heard in the news um, uh, where they had the issue with the, the Hammond Ranch. Um, Ed Snipes um, took level three yesterday. You interviewed him a few weeks ago, and I'm, I've got the pleasure of being here with uh, Cheryl and Louie today. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's an honor to be among you, you folks. I'm high-fiving you uh, in, in the cross-radio land. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you, folks, uh, I've done several shows exclusively on – in fact, Mark, actually, you were with me. You were with me, I think, when I took Level 4. You were staying at our house, and it, it developed through, I think, Michelle, uh, where Mr. Ed Snipes was able to be on the show that night. And so we did an impromptu show. We didn't even have a show scheduled or planned or anything like that. <laughs> 1030 at night, we're doing a show. I'm expecting he's going to talk for about 10 or 15 minutes. The whole straight two hours after we got him connected and everything. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, hey, they're all telling me you don't know Ed very well. <laughs> I, well hey, Ed has invited me for dinner at his house. He tells me I'm going to have a great meal. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep him to that. Uh, what an honor to be able to talk to him. What a privilege. And so you folks out there, I, I want to say, if you can hear us, hear me, I want to say, listen, you guys, uh, you're to be honored. You're to be honored for being in the, the Center for Self-Governance um, on the team. I mean, being a critical part, being mutually pledged to keep the republic. Look, you know, we're – I remember Level 3, and I remember uh, in, in Center for Self-Governance, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, just joining us. We have Pam uh, and Mark with us. They're some of the heads of Center for Self-Governance. They're actually doing a class right now in Harney County, Burns, Oregon. And uh, you guys remember the Maller Wildlife Refuge, National Wildlife Refuge, air quotes, standoff. Well, how is it now? Uh, and, well, let me say this. You guys know, and this is a horrible thing, tarp man, uh, Mr. Lavoy Finnicum was murdered. Um, and, and to some degree, yes, we know uh, who shot him and all that, but we had the feds lying about th- that they didn't discharge their weapons, and now we know that they did, but you guys are right there. You're there right now. So tell me, what is it that you uh, – oh, by the way, we've got Ohio chiming in right now saying they want a class out there, and they'll fill a room. 
So let's make that happen because uh, northern Ohio is a hotbed. I'm telling you, we've got some people there that are tired of being, um, you, you know, on the losing end of, of liberty. And, and we've got some great patriots out there. So we'll make that happen. So how is it now? Tell me about now, Pam and Mark. What's going on now? Um, well, of course, all the attention is being taken away from the the standoff and the issue with the Hammonds, um, and all the attention is being redirected to the Clark County event in April of 2014. 40-plus people who attended that event have been arrested. Um, just recently, two ladies were arrested for the pictures they took. Um, Hold on. And, Hold on. Um, Hold on. Let me clarify for so they were setting fire to government buildings and turning over cars and robbing liquor stores? Is that what the 40 people yes, were doing? Yes, very, very much. Just like Baltimore and Ferguson, yes. They were destroying CVSs and other people's stores and breaking people's cars and actually you know, killing each other. Yeah, it's just that bad. Were they blocking roadways and interstates and whatnot? Oh, yes, just like in St. Louis where they were getting in front of the highway as people were going home from work and um, putting their banners, spitting on their windshields and doing all those things, yes. Well, they sound like dangerous people. They sound like dangerous people. So what did they pin them with? What are they what did they actually charge them with? Why were they why are they been taken into custody? What's what's up with them? Well, the original charges out here in Oregon were related to obstructing federal agents from accomplishing their jobs, but those charges doesn't look like they're going to actually take place here in Oregon. It's everything is centered around what happened in April of 2014 in Clark County, Nevada. Uh, federal government eventually had to retreat. Uh, 327 cows were returned to the Bundys. Um, there's a lot of details in between that, but the bottom line is the, the, the indictment states that um, they were uh, inciting, inciting violence. Um, um, they were armed and they were making uh, physical threats to the federal agents. The federal agents um, feared for their lives and for the sake of public safety decided to retreat. That's that's the bottom line. Hmm. That's interesting because I don't remember them getting arrested then when uh, when they were right there. Uh, that's a long time ago. So what happened? What happened here? Well, why now? You, you know, so the, the main issue is that the federal government retreated. Um, and you, you can't – if you're going to be a, an effective government, then you have to be able to carry out force. And so they were they, – they ended up deciding to retreat. The cows were returned, and Malheur County was the excuse in order to – in order to enforce that action. So when Cliven Bundy flew to Portland, he left his jurisdiction of Clark County. When Ammon and Ryan Bundy left uh, Clark County, they left their jurisdiction – um, even though they might have been invited to help with the Hammonds, they weren't invited to do the other activities. This opened the door to the federal agents to take the actions that they did. And so the real objective here is is to deal with the overthrow. I would say that's the incorrect language. The real issue is that they got the federal government to retreat for the first time in U.S. history. That, that's a big deal, and that can't 
I mean, from their standpoint, you can't let that stand. So the bigger issue is <clears throat> if the citizens learn the system and they understand how to control the system, they might be able to make the federal government retreat in other matters. And I think that's, you know, understandably from the federal agent's perspective, if they can't carry out their jobs because the citizens are effectively getting them to retreat every time, then how are they going to actually make any enforcement and so on and so forth? So I understand from their perspective, but that the bottom line is this is the, the main issue is um, – uh, the federal government retreated in April. Now your county uh, standoff was the tool in order to carry out that enforcement. Hmm. So power and control. You know, the, the, the thing is it or the government really wants us to believe that it it has the power, right? It has the power. Of course, it's the elephant in the chain. We're, we're chained, and we really think that, that uh, well, we can't do anything because it, the government, has all the power. What's the problem with that? Hit the lies. Well, you know, there's there's a big there's a there's a huge problem with that. When the when the American people think like an elephant, they have two choices. They think either power originates in the chain and the handler, and so they end up like a North Korean in slavery or submission, or they end up like some of the other citizens who try to break the chain and they end up in an anarchical situation where they try to stomp on the handlers. This is the kind of problem you saw at Clark County. There was two individuals on the citizen side who had their, well, one of them had his weapon pointed at the federal agents. Well, what happens if that citizen decides to shoot some of those federal agents, break the chain? Well, those federal agents, they were all very well armed. They start shooting. Well, all the people that were in the basin, there was four people with guns in the basement and the basin underneath the, uh, the bridges there. Well, there's 246 people in the video. Well, what's, what do you think is going to happen to the 246 people? So it's, it's, it's just not a healthy circumstance. And so power and control have to be separated in the American people's minds. Um, if, if I think Kim Jong-un or President Obama have all the power, then I'm going to – like Louis was telling me this morning, one of his friends was like, why even bother? Why even get involved? He doesn't even realize he's already acting like a North Korean by saying that. He's, al he's already abdicating his control of this Republican system. The American people in each of your counties, for whoever's listening, you need to learn your system. Today in Harney County, we just discovered something called the person in the name of Land Conservation and Development Commission. This person has tremendous control over the monuments, the refuges, et cetera. The things that are happening to the Hammonds are because of that entity. That entity is a considered a person. It, it owns its own rights. It performs its own duties. It's a legal identity. It, has a, uh, it can perform uh, duties on a daily basis. And the, and the people of Oregon don't even know that it exists. And so they don't have any control over it because they don't control the meaning of the words in Title 197 of the Oregon Revised Statutes. And what's happening now, there are some citizens here in Oregon, because they're going through our training program, are learning how the system actually works. Instead of yelling at their commissioner, county judge, Nasty Grasty, or they're blaming their sheriff, what they're doing now is they're learning, oh my gosh, <clears throat> this commission, this it, this person who has a legal personality, it actually controls what's happening on the land here in Harney County. Matter of fact, when you do more research, you find out the representative who sits on the commission represents seven or eight different counties but doesn't actually probably live in Harney County themselves. And they made it so that the commission is population-based representation. Hold on. This is about land. How come it's not land-based representation? Harney County is one of the largest counties in Oregon. Why, does it, why are there eight counties represented by one person who probably doesn't even live in any of those counties and is appointed by the governor of the state of Oregon? These are the kind of questions the citizens of Oregon should be asking. 
the Hammonds themselves and the neighbors of the Hammonds and the citizens of Harney County, they, they're the ones responsible for confining this it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like Frankenstein, Sean. Uh, this mm-hmm. Land Conservation and Development Commission is literally in the state law. We read it, right, Cheryl? It is a person defined by the state legislature. <clears throat> so understanding the difference between control and power are important. It is alive. It has tremendous control. The legislature gave it to them. The citizens of Harney County, if they want to control their republic, they're the ones who need to define what is a person and what's not. <laughs> it's that simple. Wow. Wow. And that's, you know, I got to tell you, folks, that is, uh, that's really the hardcore, the hardcore. Did I just stump you, Sean? No, you did not. Did I, but did I just... You did not. Okay. You did not stump me. Better get that out. I'm going to uh, celebrate with an Oreo cookie. Oh, a fake Oreo. That's even worse. Um, from the dollar store. From the dollar store. I'm pro dollar store, though. I got to tell you, but it makes you wonder how do they well, me sell too. that I'm stuff for a dollar? Store too. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're not fake Oreos. Yeah. Yeah. So, in a Republican form of government, the power originates with God, not it, not the government. So. Tell me, you know, look, you've got a class there. This is level three, I guess you have. So they're really starting to get a picture. It was all kind of, I thought my head was going to explode in the five times I took level one because I'm pretty stupid. I had to take level one a bunch of times, but uh, I wanted to actually take it a bunch of times because I really knew that that's the foundational thing. But look, you know, um, by now, level three, I remember my head was starting to not explode so much every time but by level four all of a sudden it's all coming together really at the end of level three it's all coming together and then the real stuff starts to happen by the way we have a guy just since we've been on the line now uh great guy in ohio he is actually working on getting commitments from people uh he's gonna make arrangements for where to have it and and all this stuff. So listen, it's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to redeem Ohio for self governance. I'm going to tell you right now. So we'll only come unless they serve fake Oreos. Uh, I can tell you right now, my buddy Steve serves nothing fake. So you get authentic or you get nothing. He's a true patriot. So uh, we'll. So then it better be double filled. Oh, there's no sense. Look, I've said you cannot use a fake oreo you can't do it it's just not worth it uh, he calls it a faux rio a faux rio get it yeah. a faux rio <laughs> so let me ask you this i want I, I just i want to ask you this just because uh it, it's so important to me w- look we hear a couple of things that you said this and um and i i was moved by it i'll, I'll confess i was really moved by it you know, I've always believed we have to preserve the sacred fires uh, of liberty and that it's been entrusted to us, the people, not the government. I've understood all that, and I've, and I've worked for it. I've put my life on the line in the military and as a police officer and all those things. But when I hear people say things, I used to say this, Washington is broken. Grassroots. We need a grassroots uh, uh, movement to fix Washington because Washington is broken. Of course, you know, we, we're parroting politicians, even conservative politicians. So tell me what you think of when you hear grassroots and Washington is broken. What does that make you think? What does that make you feel? Or Pam, the family. Uh, it makes me grieve for the United States. Um, yep. First of all, grassroots are very shallow. 
and they go away with the heat and the cold of the seasons. They're easily trampled underfoot. Um, and the architects of the United States didn't view the American people as grass, easily trampled underfoot and with shallow roots. <clears throat> they actually looked at us as trees of liberty with deep tap roots that could withstand the storms and provide the shade, do all the things that are necessary that trees do. But <clears throat> metaphorically, we, we kind of misuse that word grassroots. Um, I don't see the American people that way anymore. I see them as misled by the governors, uh, misinformed about their form of government, and not properly trained in their system because they do have the capacity. I'm sitting here with uh, Cheryl and Louis Smith. They, they absolutely have the capacity if someone would sit down with them and show them the system. They totally, and I think, I think it's, I think it's, it makes me angry when I think of governors who think more highly of themselves that the grassroots aren't smart enough to understand the system or they don't know enough about the issue to be able to make an informed decision. That just – that really infuriates me. <clears throat> um, Washington is broken. <clears throat> no, the American people are broken. The American people don't know their system, and because they don't know the system, they're so busy pressing the stewardess button asking for their peanuts while the plane is crashing. What we need to do is get the American citizens to learn the system so they can fix the aircraft and stop it from crashing. It hasn't crashed yet. And I could say with some authority now, the governors know what they're doing very well, right? And so it's the American people who are broken, and we simply need to spend our time with each other, learning our system, and recovering our republic, restabilizing it. It depends on our intelligence, and its destiny is in our hands. So. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I think of when I think of grassroots and Washington's broken. How many people, uh, where you are right now, the class you're teaching right now, um, are women? How, how, how many people are what? Women, females. You know, there's 57 genders now, so I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, you know, LGBTX, I'm told I have to add the X. <laughs> no, there's 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 um, two men and two women here. Awesome, awesome. So so fifty uh, fifty. What I know is, and I and I and I can't remember where I heard this. I'll have to search real hard to remember where I heard this. You know, fathers will die for their children, mothers will kill for them. And I, I'll tell you what, women are a big part of this move. A big. Part. And, uh, there's I a famous a saying, and I don't know who said it, but. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. Yeah, that's the truth. That is the truth. That I is got the, truth. the guys in the class are all laughing. Yeah, you know. Because <laughs> it's know the truth. truth. Yeah, we know, all know it's true. Hey, let me ask you this really quick. I don't know how much time you have, but I know you're in the middle of something there, and it's we're very, very blessed that you both would join us and the whole class would join us. Uh, the Collision of Faith and Politics. Hey, every every uh, Monday at 4, and we, of course, preach a sermon at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and 5.30 on Sundays for one hour, we, we preach a commercial-free sermon every week, um, so we are glad to have you join us. Um, there are really only two languages, right? and then you told me. This. There's God's language, and there's its language, government's language. Um, can you just tell the audience what the difference between those two languages is, God's language and its language, or the government? We use, we use it as a name for the government, but ultimately, you know, it's it. The difference between the two languages, God's language and it. 
the difference between the <clears throat> the language of liberty and the language of captivity is just that um, when you speak the words you speak either produce liberty or they produce captivity mm. and you can't produce anything else with your words mm. it either results in liberty or it results in captivity so the words we speak matter um, and whatever's in your heart <clears throat> that's the language you're going to speak so the people here in Harney County got to witness whatever was in um, Commissioner Grasty's heart, that's what comes out of the mouth. Mm. Can't hold it back. And so the results were captivity. The FBI was invited in, and they created a barrier around the the county uh, municipal building, and it, and it literally looked like, when you looked at the pictures, it looked like um, something out of, of Russia, right? Mm. You've got the You've got the castle, you've got the, the soldiers around the castle, and then you have all the empl- the people, and it just it was a gray day. And all I could think of was when I was in Poland, <clears throat> it looked it just people were so drunk on freedom in Poland. I mean, there were people having sex in the park and smoking weed and doing all these I mean they were just so drunk on freedom, but the buildings, the buildings themselves it just it just it stood in such stark contrast. And even now the people of Poland, they want to go back because they don't know what to do with so much freedom, too much, out of control. So they both have the same result. You, you might think of um, <clears throat> captivity as, you know, I've got a bad governor like Grasty, and so that's captivity. Well, no, you can you can have so much freedom like you do in the state of Colorado, right, with, with all the drugs and so on and so forth that the citizens don't even realize that their state government is being pulled out from underneath them. Like, mm-hmm. and, and they got to feel it with the Trump, you know, uh, Cruz delegate things, right? They, everyone was so high back in October, they didn't even realize the rule had already been made six months ago. Mm-hmm. So they were six months in a dollar short, right? Um, yeah. So captivity and, and liberty have two distinct flavors. Um, the language you speak is the, the destiny you're speaking. Um, so <clears throat> learning how to speak the language of liberty um, results in freeing people, um, in, enlightening their mind, um, <clears throat> giving them, empowering them to take actions on their own. I was at lunch with the folks today, and we were, it was just great because we were sitting there gaming and planning. What do we do with this it called LCDC in Oregon State? It's the reason the Hammonds are going through the crap they're going through. It's the reason why Harney County and the government were acting the way they are. It's the entire reason why the Malheur uh, uh, folks, or excuse me, the Harney County sheriffs and the Oregon State Police and the FBI were coordinated together to trap those guys on their way to John Day. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and so it's, it's, wasn't that empowering and enlightening and exciting? That was the language of liberty mm-hmm. for, for the folks here at the lunch table today. Captivity, mm-hmm. however, sounds like we can't do it. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Don't have time, right? Let's wait till the fall. <laughs> um, or, or yeah. even you know what? You can't beat city hall. Why fight them? That's the yeah, language of captivity. Be. That's captive thinking. That's I'm the powerless. elephant in the chain. And and Sean won't let me eat fake Oreos. No, I will the not. The language I can't. of captivity, brother. People you love, you don't let them eat fake. That's Oreos. The language of captivity. You got to admit it. I'm, let I'm me, calling for an intervention right here. Amen. <laughs> let me ask you this really quick because I, I I know time is short, but. Um, I hear that there's some things happening there at the refuge. There's some renovation going on. There's some replacement of some things. Can you bring me up to date on that? What's what's happening there? 
let me introduce you to Louis Smith. Um, they know they know all about it. They know more than I do. So this is um, this is Louis Smith who lives right here in Harney County. Welcome, Louis. Thank you for joining us. You bet. Uh, um, well, we, well, they they don't let us out there no more, uh, so we can't see what's going on. But I've been told that uh, they're taking their the renovation is that they're remodeling the whole dang place, basically changing the toilets out, the, the carpet, all this other stuff, and it's like sanitizing, sanitizing it because somebody can polluted the place. And the reality is, is that they see an open door to spend a lot more money than they need to, just like the government usually does. And blaming them. And blaming the bungees. Well, I, I've talked to people who were unable to come on the radio who were there, and they showed me photographs of it during when all this was going on, and it was pristine. In fact, it looked better when they left than when they got it. Well, when I, went, I was out. I used to go out there. I I hauled I hauled hay out to the horse out there, and uh, and visited and stayed spent some quite a few time out there. And you're right, they the whole time they were out there, they were cleaning buildings and stuff and uh, um, touching up stuff. They they uh, did a lot of hard work actually. The first part of this uh, thing. The last part, I don't know. I didn't get to go out there because the feds blocked us all off and we couldn't go out there. Hmm. This is Cheryl Smith, and I I just want to say I talked to one of the uh, men that went out to get um, vehicles. vehicles, removed the vehicles that were left behind. There was not a window left in any of the vehicles. Now, you know the people that left the vehicles behind didn't do that. The private vehicles. Not, <laughs> These were the, the private the... vehicles that were owned by, um, one of them was Lisa uh, Bundy's vehicle that got left behind. She went with somebody else when she left. And anyway, but um, locks were broken. These ve- vehicles were a mess. You know, none of the government vehicles were just. And the pictures I have seen of what supposedly it looked like when they, it looks to me like somebody did a search, a resident, you know, like when they're searching, Mm -hmm. it it looks like the handiwork of the Leos and the the FBI when they're searching a home. That's the damage I saw, pictures I saw. So. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. So what, what we're what we're learning is that what the public is being told, and really to a great degree what the public is being shown, because I can tell you I know this firsthand. The the federal government and different agencies within the federal government can certainly make things look however they want. What's interesting to me is you have an extremely peaceful group of people, extremely respectful group of people. Uh, up at the up at the refuge, who who were air quotes occupying it, very validly, I might add. And then you have the uh, the Occupy Wall Street crowd, where we had rapes going on, we had uh, people ending up dead, we had, and they're they're occupying a place. You know, it was actually Bryant Park was a, pu- a private park, but they had occupied it illegally for a long time, and all kinds of crazy stuff was going on there. Nothing happened to these people. Then we have in uh, uh, Wisconsin when they were protesting, um, who knows what they were protesting at this particular point, but they took over a hundred and some year old 
uh, building, beautiful building. I mean, their their capital is just amazing. And these people were urinating in the corners, defecating in the corners, breaking things, stealing things. Nobody kicked them out. Nobody got arrested. Meanwhile, these people, the uh, you know Lavoy Finicum and the, and the Hammonds and and the Bundys and and others, several others, go there and and look. You know, it had to be done. They were they were being abused by the government, uh, and and here we get uh, an ambush on an unarmed man. Mr. Lavoy Finicum gets murdered, and they immediately start telling lies about what happened. In fact, they show a grainy poor quality drone video uh, and they say see 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 look he was going for a gun oh and by the way this is the gun that he had meanwhile we know for a fact that he didn't own that gun he didn't carry that gun we know what gun he carried I know what gun he carried you know how I know because somebody showed me a photograph of it after the fact they said here's his gun right here wasn't going for a gun he had just been shot and he was reaching for the for the gunshot wound because he was just get just got shot it was really ridiculous is sickening, and somebody's been murdered, and Mrs. Jeanette Finnicum, she, she is now without a husband. The Finnicum uh, children are without a father, and so many people uh, have been illegally uh, arrested and charged and, and detained, um, and it's, it's, it's actually sickening. Now, you might say, well, you know, that's really depressing, Dr. Sean, but I have to tell you, citizens for citizens... I'm just saying, the Center for Self-Governance, citizens who submit themselves fully to be mutually pledged to keep the republic, and learning to do it through the Center for Self-Governance, I'm telling you, that is absolutely, to quote, quote my great friend Mark Herr, that's the secret sauce, folks. It's the secret sauce. And, and because of what you learn there and how to do what you do, there are ways to do things that are effective and powerful and valuable. And, and will net great returns. And there are things that we do that we've always done. We do what we've always done. We're going to get what we've always gotten that don't work. Hey, you know, that secret sauce goes real good with lemon Oreos the best. Uh, and he's not <laughs> And I, I just want to put one visual in your head. Think about knee-deep snow and how you walk yeah. or run. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really sickening. And, and, and this is testament to, uh, you know, the, the general American public is being entertained to death. And so they, you know, they just sit in front of their television and, and they, they watch uh, what they're being fed. They're being entertained. And they believe... The story they're told, wow, this guy, you know, I mean, what's going on? These people taking over, my goodness, they're taking over uh, government, federal government property. What do they think was going to happen? They're destroying the place. Somebody's got to do something. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, you're a rancher and you have thousands, you're a rich rancher and you've got thousands of acres. Oh, yeah, yeah, I feel sorry for you. You know, when they, you know, when you think about it, you go back to those pictures when he was speaking out at the refuge. You'll see when he was in the tarp, you know, the temp man basically situation. Yep. Yep. He wore his holster, and his holster was on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. Put his gun in his left pocket. No. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. He'd have been Uh-oh. a magic man. Well, we're going to keep fighting the fight here. I know you guys have to get back to your class because I don't want to stun anybody's uh, education. You know me. 
I'm pro-education. So, and uh, Mark and Pam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We uh, we believe now at this point in the show we can get 12 people, at least 12 people to commit, and we have a facility that uh, will seat 70 to 80 in Ohio, northern Ohio. So we are on it. These folks are getting some stuff. So, so if you're, if uh, people, your listeners want to take classes, they just go to centerforselfgovernance.com and press the host a class button, and that'll get them connected to the right people. Or, or Sean, you can connect their, your fellow in Ohio directly with Michelle. And uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. I mean, we don't have anything hidden anyway, so we're already yeah. – <laughs> already watched as it is we know that so yeah. um just check us out at facebook same thing center for self-governance no doubt hey man take care of yourself be well um all of you there thank you so much for joining us today it's an honor to have you and uh anytime you can listen we'd be honored to have you listen anytime no doubt about it uh, awesome brother sean uh good luck today and and uh it's kind of cool east coast to west coast see you the there you go amen we are going to get it done. We are mutually pledged to keep the republic, no matter what it takes. All right, brother and sister, thank Amen. you very much for joining us, and, and we will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks, John. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. There's the deal. That's the secret sauce. I mean, that's, that's just the freaking deal, right? There's people right there in class right now, and they're, they're, they're learning the language of liberty, and they're, they have escaped the bonds of the language of captivity, um, you know, picture picture an elephant. You know, this is how it happens. This is an illustration we use in Center for Self-Governance all the time. You know, the elephant is taught that it cannot escape the chain. Eventually, you could tie a little string, little twine around the, uh, around the elephant's leg and tie it to a little twig sticking out of the ground. The elephant's not going to pull on it because it's been taught over time, over time, over time. I can't get away. This is this. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. It's it it just is it's 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 how we are. We're the elephant. We have all the power, we just don't know we have all the power. People say, Well, you're you advocating we stop paying taxes? Because you know lots of people have been in jail, federal jail for that. You don't pay your taxes, people sit running around talking about it's uh it, it you know, it's it, it's it's optional. It's it's voluntary. We have a voluntary tax system. Well, you can believe that. But going about it that way is the wrong way. It's not the way it's going to work. It's, it's just not the way it's going to work. We're going about it the wrong way. You know, just going about it the wrong way. And so, I, you know, what an honor to have them there. It's, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it's just so exciting. To be involved with this movement is so exciting. It really, really is. And I know that sounds strange. It sounds, you know, because you're sitting there and you're learning, and it's not like uh, your your normal history or social studies or even civics in, in high school. It's applied civics. By the way, any age can go. As long as you're old enough to behave and learn and take notes and do different things, um, any age can go. You don't you don't have to be, you know, grown. We have, I've been in lots of classes where there have been 15, 16-year-olds in there. Uh, I was just I was just at a, a visiting a level one class we just had, and a very vibrant class. We were full to overflowing, and there was a, a kid in there that brought her dad. You know, she's she's a student. She brought her dad. Uh, so look, you know, this is this is the real deal, and it, it's just awesome to hear from them. And it was wonderful to hear from the couple that that's 
from there. They lived there. They experienced it. So you heard all about how the town was saying, we just want these ranchers out of here. You know, they're causing nothing but trouble and all this stuff. We want the federal government. When are they going to retort? And you had the sheriff whining and crying, talking about, you know, you know, we've just got to get back to loving one another like our community is. You know, it's stupid. It's just stupid. It's just a big fake big fake thing, but we know the truth now. So that leads me to this. Uh, you know, La Plata High School in Maryland, I'm trying to get these people on here. Um, they want to come on, but it's it's a little bit of an issue legally. They have an 11th grade daughter in her world history class. It's La Plata High School, La Plata, La Plata, whatever, uh, high school in Maryland. And you know, it's the Republic of Maryland. Uh, ridiculous gun laws or lack thereof, uh, just really, 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 really ridiculous. So the Thomas More Law Center is representing uh, John Kevin Wood and his wife, Melissa, in their battle with the La Plata High School in Maryland over the Islamic doctrination of their 11th grade daughter in world history class. Look, their daughter, now he's a Marine, by the way, the dad is a Marine. Their daughter was required to complete assignments where she had to affirm that there is no God but Allah and then speak about the other five pillars of Islam. The case gained national attention when the school banned John Wood from entering school property. And they said, not only can you not, you can't come into our class, you can't come on the property of the school, not in the building. You can't come on the property of the school because what did he do? He objected to the religion of Islam being taught in his daughter's history class and being told that she has to quote things. There is no God but Islam, but Allah and, 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 the, and memorize the five pillars of Islam. Well, the, he said, look, you know, I, I'm not pulling around there or anything like that. I'm a taxpayer. I'm a soldier, the United States Marine. And you know what? I, I'm not for my daughter having to do this. Give her an alternate assignment. Make her do something different than this because this isn't something she's not going to do. School refused. He, and by the way, Mr. Wood, uh, former Marine, you know there's no former Marine. You know, once a Marine, always a Marine. He served in Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Uh, he lost a lot of friends in that, saw firsthand the destruction caused in the name of Allah, and, and he knows what I know and, and many of you know. It's, Islam is not a religion of peace. And he wouldn't budge from this, and, and I don't blame him. So, uh, and, he, and Thomas More Law Center is based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, by the way. Um, and there's, so there's, they're helping out, uh, they have senior trial counsel, Aaron Mercino, and then Maryland attorney, Michael Smith. Uh, he's of the Smith appellate law firm. They're representing the Wood family and, and thank God, thank God. So how did all this happen? You know, you want to say the government, you know, uh, they have total control and all of this, um, you know, there's just nothing to do against them. Well, here's how he found out. He discovered that his daughter, this is John Wood, and this is in October of 2014, was forced to repeat religious tenets, the religious tenets of Islam as part of her world history class. Not read them and study them so that she could know about them, but repeat them and quote them and chant them. She was required to write how the prophet Muhammad was visited by the angel Gabriel and preached that there's only one true God who is Allah. The assignment, uh, in that assignment, they made her write that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and that the Quran is the holy text. Now, they also, in this assignment, I know this is making you mad. I'm hearing from all kinds of people here that it's really, really making people mad. Um, well, you know what? It's, this is why. And, um, okay, we've got someone who, um, let's see, text me if it's an 802 number that you're calling from. I think I know who this is. 
but someone had a conversation with Carol Bundy today, and they want to relate that to us, which is related to what we were talking about before. So uh, let's see here. Let me pull up. We got a bunch of activity. Okay, that is her. Dear, dear friend of mine, um, we're going to bring her on. No curse words, you wild woman. No cur- no swear words. Don't threaten anybody. Now, she's tough, man. This You want to talk about a fighter for liberty. As soon as I finish this, I'm going to bring you on, so get prepared. Take you a drink. You, you, we're so lucky today. Listen, none of this was planned. So, uh, so anyway, so, so here's what happened. This is what the assignment required her to do. It required her to affirm that Allah is the same God that is worshipped in Christianity and Judaism, which is not, and that the Quran is the word of Allah revealed to Muhammad in the same way that Jews and Christians believe Torah and the Gospels were revealed to Moses and the New Testament writers. The assignment also forced young women, such as the Wood's daughter, to fill in the following sentences. They had to write this. Men are the managers of the affairs of women, and righteous women are therefore obedient. Let me say this again. They had to, she had to write this as though it were true. The women. The, these are you know, 17-year-old uh, you know, high school students. This is what they had to write. Men are the managers of the affairs of women, and righteous women are therefore obedient. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? How mad will you be? Would you would would you just be fine with that? Come on, you know you wouldn't be fine with that. I'm hearing about people. My phone is blowing up. People that have my thing, they're saying, you know, I I would lose it. I would lose it. Well, what's the best way to go about it? Well, this is what John Wood did. He discovered the Islamic propaganda and indoctrination. He was rightfully outraged, of course. And and that evening, he tried to contact the school by phone to voice his objections. Because you look, we're taxpayers. So, you know, look, he was there. He was there. Uh, Also, amazingly, he was on 9-11. He responded to, uh, he was a firefighter, and he responded to the Pentagon on 9-11. And he said, look, you're not going to indoctrinate my daughter. No way. So the next day, Wood had a phone conversation with a Plata vice principal where he reiterated his objections to his daughter being indoctrinated in the religion of Islam. The vice principal said, look, your daughter, she's a high school junior. She's got college hopes. She's going to receive zeros on all of her assignments on Islam if she doesn't complete them. He asked how, by the way, I contacted the school and they refused to be on. He asked how the religion of Islam could be taught when schools are prohibited from teaching the religion of Christianity. By the way, remember, I teach the following thing. You ready for this? I teach the following thing, and that is this. Islam is not a religion. It's a religious, political, and military. Remember, go to the ninjapastor.com, go to the blog section, drive down to uh, where we had uh, Bill Federer, William Federer on. Had a whole show about it. Absolutely powerful. And I've talked lots of other times, but that one is one that's really succinct and, and it just nails it down. But it's religious, political, and military. And they start off religious so that you can get the freedoms. They start off religious. Uh, and then they become political once they gain enough numbers and influence, and then they become military. That's, you know, they start cutting off heads and, and burning people alive and stoning people and throwing gay people off of roofs or if they think you're gay, you know, that is the deal. That's what they do. That's how it works. And look, if you don't think so, go ahead and uh, go ahead right on and, and go right on over 
to any of these places where you know Islam now is at seven percent of the population, five percent, seven percent, ten percent, twelve percent, thirteen percent. Go there and see how it is. See what's happening because this is what is happening. And I'll tell you right now, this the police can't do a thing. And to some degree, uh, welcome to Jerry from Pennsylvania. Good to have you, brother. You missed it. We had some good stuff. We're going to have some crazy stuff about to happen now. Um, look, you know, we have got to understand some very powerful things, uh, some very powerful truths. That's why I say the Citizens for Self-Government uh, or, or Center for Self-Governance is the ticket. Citizens that go through this, man, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. I'm telling you. If there's enough of us that learn the truth, we are in like Flynn. All right, so folks, I have you know there's there's uh, I have some really interesting connections, and this dear lady, really, 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 is one of my dear friends, uh, true patriot in the trenches. Uh, we're gonna get a, a Center for Self Governance class up there, and where she lives, I'm not gonna say where she lives for security reasons, but. Um, her son is uh, somebody I greatly admire and now daughter-in-law, and, and her husband's a wonderful, wonderful man, and she is a fighter for liberty. We are absolutely privileged to have on the line with us today my good friend Lynn. I'm not going to say your last name, but she does a lot of work with the uh, Frederick Douglass Republicans. You guys remember K. Carl Smith when he was on the show, also a friend of mine and a friend of the show. Well, this dear lady is heavily involved with what he does. And uh, very, very powerful in, in that movement as well. So, Lynn, it's so great to have you. I understand that you have some news for us today. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Sean. Um, I appreciate the accolades. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I was just absolutely – I saw I, – I believe it was your Facebook post last night about uh, the about the Bundy situation – and then I had posted that I was going to call uh, his wife, uh, Clevin's wife, Carol, today, which I did, and I was really led to do it. Uh, when I called her, um, she, I, I related to her the story, that the heartening story that I always tell about the uh, perfect double rainbows over the Capitol Dome uh, that happened about 2010 uh, when the sky had become absolutely pitch black and um, I had gone down to D.C. for the uh, house care house call, <clears throat> and I was basically staying there thanking God that I got everybody back on the bus. We had about 50 people from a couple of nearby states. And anyway, I stayed there talking to God at my back to the Capitol Dome, and uh, I, it had been a beautiful T-shirt day, sunshiny, beautiful. And I turned around, and the sky behind the Capitol Dome was absolutely pitch black. I have never seen the sky. It's black. No clouds, just utter darkness. And I, but the Capitol Dome was shining in the sunlight. And I got on the bus and I pointed it out to my friends and I said, "What we?" I said, uh, "It's utter darkness, but the light will always overwhelm the darkness. What we need right now is a rainbow." And as I pointed to the Capitol Dome, a absolutely perfect double, double rainbow appeared over the Capitol Dome. And I mean, we took pictures of it as we drove off. And to me, it was just as powerful as the promise that God made to Noah. Mm. Uh, and every time I tell the story, I get full body chills. So I related that to Carol, and she said, you know, you're my angel today. I, I really needed this. 
And so anyway, uh, I started talking to her, and she told me that that his his uh, situation is really dire. I mean, they they have him in isolation, mm. as if he were a you know a mass murderer. Uh, he's allowed one hour a day out of his cell. They never let her know when that is. And I really want people to, if you go to the uh, her Facebook uh, page, Bundy Ranch, uh, there's a place to donate, which I did today, and I really am going to make it my mission. You know, when they were out there, he's, he's fighting for us. He's in there because of us. I mean, he's a... To me, he's a St. Paul figure in prison. I mean, he's, mm. he's, he's suffering for us, and so are his sons. And when it was all, you know, in the news and everybody was all fired up about it, uh, they had a lot of press, a lot of attention. Now that he's gone to prison, there's almost nothing being said, almost nothing happening uh, in his behalf. I know that Larry Clayman, who's a very dear friend of a very dear friend of mine, who I won't mention, uh, has taken on the case, but we need other patriot lawyers to to get in there and help these people. They, they I wouldn't su- surprise me, and I've said this to you before, Sean. It wouldn't surprise me if oh, suddenly he has committed suicide. I mean, right, it's, right. it's very, very urgent that we get the, the light shined once again on the Bundys who are now in prison because they are fighting for their for their rights in their country. And uh, I just knew that that was, oh, and so I'm in the middle of talking to her, and all of a sudden she says, it's my husband calling me. Can mm. I take this? And I said, of course, take it. I mean, that was a miracle to me. I and mean, what are the chances he gets one hour a day and that he was going to call right when I had now, you know, I helped to fill her up with some 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 hope, and I said, pray Psalm 91. I mean, I will say it until the day I die. The people in this country, God has promised in Psalm 91, he has promised, if you pray Psalm 91, if we all pray Psalm 91, it is his promise of protection, a promise. And, the, and I tailor it, I make it today, like I'll say, instead of, you know, the, we should not fear the slings of the arrows that fly by night. I say we will not be afraid of the terrorists because the Lord our God will seek them out and destroy them. And when we get to the, the, the last part, which is always my favorite, and I've said this ever since our son was in Afghanistan and there were a couple of major miracles that happened when he was there and should have been killed. Uh, I prayed. That's when I started Pray Psalm 91. So it's been six years that every single night without fail, I pray Psalm 91 for God's beloved daughter, America. And my favorite part is the end where he says, because they have loved me, God said, Mm. therefore I will deliver them. I will set them securely on high because they have known my name. Mm. I will them and honor them and that's the promise it doesn't get any better than that mm-hmm. that's what we need to do we need to pray psalm 91 every single day and that expression god's beloved daughter america as you know was what god told me about two or three years ago to always refer to america as mm-hmm. my beloved daughter america mm-hmm. and every day i get chills Amen. So Amen. I, That's awesome. People need to help these people. Don't forget about them. Do not forget about them. Give Carol all the support you can give her. 
go on to the Bundy Ranch on Facebook, and there's a place to donate, and just just give her some some help. She is she is alone there, you know. I mean, she's got friends and everything, but her husband and her sons have been taken away from her. Totally. Yeah, it's so tough. It's so tough. It's it's such a terrible, terrible shame. Um, I I will tell you that. Uh, Mrs. Bundy and Mrs. Finnicum and and all of all of the family members um they're such nice people too and they were oh, yeah. they were portrayed by the by the government and and by the press frankly um uh, which is redundant because the press at this point is just an extension of the government portrayed as you know anti-government anarchists and all of this nothing could yep. be further from the truth they're great people uh yep. well they just want to graze their their animals for free uh, you know, they're taking advantage and all this stuff. And so people, you know, obviously they were developed a momentum and then look what happened. I mean, the guy's taken prisoner uh, and so many others and so many others, because right before you were, you're on uh, Mark and Pam from the center for self-governance were on. And, and we heard the Smiths who were there and they, you know, they can tell you that, that that's not what happened. They said they destroyed the government said and the press said they destroyed, they were destroying the, the uh, refuge in the building they were in, they, they they occupied a bunkhouse that had long been deserted and was essentially condemned. They fixed it up, uh, made it very nice, and everything was fine. And so, um, you know, it's a big fat lie. Well, Lynn, thank you as always for coming on. Uh, we appreciate. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. And and uh, folks, you know, this is this is a true patriot here. This is a lady who's in the trenches. Fighting and fighting and fighting. And listen, I know uh, for a fact she knows the cost of freedom. And uh, we pray for the same young man every single day. And, um, and so we are, uh, we're honored to have you on. And thank you for calling in. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. God bless you, dear. So, so there you have it. What a fun show today. And we didn't even know any of that was happening. So, um, it, it, all right. So, look. So, so, here, so here we've got. It, the government, telling us what to do with our bodies, telling us what to do uh, in so many areas of our life. And, you, and, and one of the things, this is important, I, just, I really want you to really get this part. One of the things that we forget is we forget to defend ourselves. We forget that we have a, 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 an obligation to defend ourselves. A lot of Christians are pacifists, uh, and, and they think that that's because the Bible is, to you know, we're, we're mandated to be uh, pacifists, and that's nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. So then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? Remember, he killed him. And then, and then the Lord said, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Because he spilled his blood on the ground. Now you are cursed from the, from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Look, that's Genesis 4, 9 through 11. Now, isn't that interesting? Blood has a voice, and it's crying out to God. Hebrews twelve twenty four in the complete Jewish Bible, uh, it speaks of this fact that Jesus sprinkled blood, says better things than Abel's. It says, this is what it says. I mean, I, I'm reading it to you. Hebrews twelve twenty four To the mediator of a new covenant, Yeshua, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than that of Hevel, which is um, Abel in Hebrew. 
So the ESV puts it this way, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that, than the blood of Abel. That's Hebrews 12:24. That's in the ESV or the English Standard Version. This week, somebody I love, really, I, I dearly, dearly love, just very, 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 very much. She called me a warmonger. And to be honest, it broke my heart. I, I'm routine. Look, I get death threats. Every week I get a death threat. I'm shocked if I go through a week and I don't have a death threat. I'm shocked if there aren't, like uh, on Sunday we had somebody trying to hack the, um, the chat box here, the chat room. And so, I mean, this crazy stuff happens all the time. I have people try to crash my website. It's just nuts. It's just absolutely nuts. And, I, and I, so I'm used to being called a hater. In social media, I'm called a hater all the time. You know, it's just it's just what it is. And I have people that at speeches and different things, you know, they'll have ignorant things to say. They don't know the truth and they don't know anything about the truth, but they're they're still going to espouse what they want. You know what? That's the crazy thing about this country is you can. The reason they call me a hater, somebody just sent me a message. Well, why do they call you a hater? You're a pretty nice guy. Um, thank you, by the way. And. They do that because of the national and personal defense positions that I take, uh, also the position I take on Islam. I defend myself in my position, and I do it with great gusto. But, but look, being branded a warmonger by someone that I dearly and deeply love oh, it made me pause. And you know what? There's a lot of people, many, many people in the Christian community who they disagree with the idea of self-defense, defending their families, owning and carrying weapons, protecting our country with force, defending liberty and protecting the innocent, defending your home, defending your car. Almost daily. I'm asked this almost daily. Uh, won't God protect me if I just trust him? Doesn't Jesus just say that violence is wrong? I mean, look, I, look, I believe that the Christian especially... No, I really do. Somebody just sent me a message and said, you can't possibly believe that. Yeah, I do believe it. Scripture says it. I believe it. I believe that the Christian especially, especially the Christian, look, we have an obligation to defend and protect not only ourselves, but more importantly others. It's an obligation. So when the question is asked, and you know, and, and Cain and Abel, the whole deal, uh, the question I ask in return People, people will say, well, look, I'm not my brother's keeper. Why, why, do, why do I have an obligation to protect others? And so when I ask, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, yes, I am. And you know what? Here's the thing. So are you. So are you. So are you. You are your brother's keeper, too. Doesn't mean you tell your brother what to do. Doesn't mean tell your neighbor what to do. Doesn't mean anything. We will get along. You know, uh, it's It's important. It's very important for all of us to do the right thing, and, and, and we get along when we do the right thing. Sometimes some folks don't do the right thing. Sometimes they don't. But ultimately, we are our brother's keeper. Whether you like it or not, I'm my brother's keeper, and so are you. So it, we had those guests, and, and so I think I need a lot more time than this, so we'll continue this. Uh, but uh, I don't think we have enough time to get anywhere near through this. But I want to at least get it started because it's important. And then what we'll do is next week we'll finish it up or maybe, uh, I don't know, we'll do something. We'll figure it out. Or we'll do a special show after the show, something like that. So first, I, I, we, we've got to look at the biblical obligation to preserve life. The Bible clearly teaches that we have to preserve life, our own lives and the lives of other people. First Corinthians 6.19 teaches that our bodies are not our own. 
says our bodies belong to God. Our bodies are his property, so we're not permitted to treat or destroy them however we want. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 in the American Standard Version. Or know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Glorify God, therefore, in your body. Not only are we to take care of our bodies and the life contained in them, but we have an obligation to preserve the body and the life of other people. Let's preserve our body. Look, take care of yourself. Try to eat the right things. Try to get a little bit of exercise. Drink plenty of water. That's how my, my people say it. At least some of my people. Drink plenty of water. Uh, you know, try to get some exercise. Park a little further away. Walk, you know. Uh, just take good care of yourself. Your body's your temple. Your body's your temple. You've got to just take care of your body. What will happen? You'll get sick. We have an obligation. It's not just, oh, well, whatever. If I get sick, I get sick. No, it doesn't work that way. We have an obligation. We've got to preserve the body and the life of other people. Psalm 82.4 even cites an obligation to protect those who are endangered. The scripture goes like this. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Not only does it say, hey, we've got to care. It says we got to rescue. You say, man, I'm, I, I, how do I rescue anybody? I don't know how to rescue anybody. Look, you're not expected to be the army and the military and, and, you know, and, and, and the police. I talked about this in my message on Saturday. I delivered a message on Saturday instead of Sunday. And in my message on Saturday, I said, look, not all of us can be military trained. Not all of us can be, you know, former police officers. Not all of us can be martial artists and executive protection specialists. Not all of us can do that. That's not something that's in everybody's wheelhouse. But everybody can take care of themselves. Everybody can work on being more fit. Everybody can work on, you say, well, look, I'm 300 pounds overweight. You start with one pound. Because let me tell you something. When the poop hits the fan, when something really bad happens, if you're 300, 400 pounds overweight, 100 pounds overweight, I got a news flash for you. You're going to be one of the first to go. You say, well, I'll just do whatever it takes. Well, you can't do whatever it takes. It won't be possible. It's not possible. Life is worth living, man. Invest in yourself a little bit of time. I'll tell you what else, too. Uh, as it relates to fitness and wellness, eat healthy things. Every now and then an Oreo cookie, a real one's not going to kill you. You know, a piece of pie, a piece of cake, you know, those types of things. But, you know, in moderation. But here's the thing. You, Psalm 82 forces rescue the weak and needy. Deliver. You don't want to be the weak and needy. Someday you might be. Don't you want other people to be prepared to help you in, the, in that event? It says rescue. Reads this way. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. There's lots of wicked hands all about our people nowadays. Our job, our mandate from God, our obligation is to preserve the body and life of other people, including ourselves. Also, Proverbs 24.11, if you don't think that's enough, 24.11 indicates we have a duty to preserve the lives of those who are harming themselves. Look, somebody's hurting themselves. I've had the opportunity to, to talk somebody out of killing themselves on several occasions. And let me tell you, you know, it, it is amazing. You hear the people talk about how bad somebody's standing on a bridge or they've got a gun to their head, and they're telling you how bad it is. They're saying, look, I, this is, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to stay in this world. I'm not staying in this world. It's not worth living. And you know what? As they talk to you, you're like, you're starting to agree with them. Their life is bad. 
but sometimes they have mental health issues. Maybe they've got depression. They've got some other things. Maybe they're abusing drugs and alcohol. Maybe, they, maybe they're a person that's been harming themselves over time, and now this is the coming, you know, it's all coming home to roost. You know, chickens are coming home to roost, and now they've gotten themselves in some serious trouble, and they say, look, I'm not staying around to experience the penalty of this trouble, so I'm going to check out. We've got a duty to preserve the lives of those who are harming themselves. So you, you let's say you have a kid who's who's uh, you know she's young and she's pretty and all this stuff and she has a new boyfriend. And guess what? Now all of a sudden she doesn't want to eat all of her food. She doesn't want to eat all of her meals. Maybe she says, eh, "Yeah, I'm eating plenty," but you see the weight falling off her bones. You start to see her getting real, real skinny. You say, "Hey, you know you're eating what you're supposed to be eating because you know, you're dating this boy now, and and uh, you need to understand that you're an active person." <laughs> One of the people in a chat, just buy a new gun. It always works for me when I feel down. How ironic. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, look, not even just in the case of a, of a young daughter, but uh, you have a friend, maybe, that's abusing themselves. They're doing something that's very dangerous. Maybe somebody's, look, I would to God that, that the, a young lady I, I really, really cared for, she was just a sweet, sweet girl. Uh, for three years, she took care of my teeth after my crash. Every six weeks, I would see this girl for about an hour, and and just a wonderful human being. Well, it turned out she was addicted to heroin. I had no idea until about the last three months. I started to see something was wrong. I would to God that I would have been able to help her. It just crushed me. All of a sudden, she sticks a needle in her arm one day, and she dies. Dies before the plunger even moves a, a tenth of an inch. Just brutal. Look, I should have said something. I did say something to her, actually, in the chair. I said, honey, there was coming a part where she was just really struggling, where she didn't normally struggle. She was wearing a coat in there. You know, women a lot of times are cold. You know, they're like, oh, I'm cold. I'm like, how can you be cold? What are you talking about? Well, you got a jacket on. Well, it turns out there was a reason she had a jacket on. She was not confident. She was not, you know, she she had some issues. She was messing up. And I and I did mention to her, I said, you know, hey, come on. What's going on here? You all right? You sick? She goes, yeah, I'm not feeling good. And, you know, not long after, she she's dead. She's gone. It was broken. It was broken. I, I don't I don't know. I just uh, really, 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 really struggling. Really, really struggling over that. We have a duty to preserve. We have a duty to preserve the lives of those who are harming themselves. Proverbs twenty four eleven. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Ezekiel thirty three. Well known package. Everybody knows this passage. Um, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away from in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. In other words, if you don't do, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, if you don't do what you're supposed to do and warn people, this is why I, part of the reason I do this show. It's not to make money. We don't we don't make any money. We're spending all of our money. All of our money like I'm rich. By the way, that brings up a good point. The ninjapastor.com, there's a donate button. If you're in a position to help this ministry, this is how we treat it, uh, a ministry, we pour everything right back into this. I mean, it pays for our fees and all these different things that we do. Um, we would love to have that. If you're somebody that, that is, has the capacity for that and the Lord moves your heart to do that, more power to you. We love it. There's a donate button on there. It's extremely secure. Of course, I made sure that it was super, super secure. So um, if, if, you, if you're moved to help, we'd love to have your help. Also, if you want to have me come and speak at your organization, we travel all over the country. 
Uh, we're going to be speaking in Georgia in August to a huge Christian school and a big, giant church. And uh, so we're very excited about it. But it says the watchman, the watchman didn't say anything, and, and he's responsible. So if you know dangers coming to others and you deliberately fail to warn the others of the danger, you don't know the dangers there. You can't be held responsible. But if you know and you fail to warn them, well, I don't want to bug them. You know, to each his own. I can't tell another person how to live. You're not telling them how to live. You're warning them. Look, uh, look I'm not saying you can't. You, you're not responsible to make them heed your warning. You're responsible to warn them. The surrounding verses also say that if, if, if the people refuse context, folks, to read all the verses. I don't have time now, especially if we're so hurting on time. The surrounding verses also say that if people refuse to heed the warning of the watchman, the watchman's not guilty if they're harmed. If we fail to guard Mosaic teaching, this is Mosaic law. Uh, if we fail to guard the lives of others, we're guilty. I'll give you an example. Deuteronomy 22.8, if someone falls from your roof and you fail to install a safety fence or uh, around the edge, you'd be held liable for the death of that person. Now, look, if you, if you haven't worked under your house, you know it's ratchet. You know it's ratchet, and you don't tell them. You don't tell them, look, there's some loose boards up there. Now, if you don't know it, you don't know it. But you've got to do what you can do. You're going to be held liable for that person. Exodus 21, 29 through 31, if a man has an ox, which it, look, you know your ox is prone to tromp people. Let, let's call it a dog. The owner is held liable if he fails to confine it, and the ox harms or kills others. The ox harms someone, the negligent owner is fined. If the ox kills someone, the negligent owner is put to death. Look, you've got a dog. You know that dog bites people. Do you love the dog? And and uh, you know you don't you don't want to have to do. Look, you don't put it on a leash. You don't keep it away from people. You don't make sure your fence is good. You just say, hey man, I'm not, not going to mess with that. Deal with it. <laughs> You're liable. Well, how do we do it now? We do it through court, right? We go to court. Take everybody to court. Look, the, this principle couldn't be – I don't think you, – you could stay up all night and not put it any better than this. You have to protect your life and the lives of others. Protect your life and the lives of others. People say, look, you know, if it's my time, it's my time. It doesn't work that way. You don't have that opportunity. You have to fight until he comes. You have to work until he comes. Well, what's the biblical view of bloodshed? Look, we have a biblical obligation to protect life. So what does the Bible say about bloodshed? When we come to this topic, look, we have to do this. Something I call cultural, I don't call it that, it's, it's other people call it that. Uh, I call it that, but I'm not the first one, I'm sure. Cultural recalibration. You can't go the way people have told you you're supposed to think. Cultural recalibration. Look, you look through the Old and New Testament, it's very, very clear that real blood from animals as well as humans has a very powerful significance. And it's look, in the modern American culture, we look at that, we go, that's crazy. It's crazy. You're so crazy. One of our people in Ohio got to have a talk with his ox. About time. People are talking. Look, we have to, whether we like it or not, in American culture, we, we, have, we have recreated God and Scripture in our own image to fit what we feel comfortable with. And you know what? We adjust our perception of, of blood, as mentioned in the Bible, to fit God's view of blood. That's what we've got to do. We must adjust our perception of blood to fit God's view of blood, not recreate it in, in our own image, do it how God says. Let's just look at a couple things. This is, 
You know, look, culture. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. I'll just read it just for fun. Um, culture disagrees with this. Just so you know, you're if you believe these things, you need to understand that culture is gonna say postmodern emergent culture. They're going to say. No, that's wrong. That's crazy. We don't do that. Oh, by the way, we want a transgender or a transvestite or a LGBTX to go. People are coming out saying it's it's like uh, Bruce Springsteen and all these others. Uh, Well, I'm not going there because, you know, that's (laughs) anti-gay. You need to understand, folks, it's not anti-gay. Stop buying into that. They're co-opting the vernacular. They're co-opting truth. Don't allow it. That's not why. It's because men don't – I don't care if men look like a woman. If you feel like you're a man today, feel like you're a woman tomorrow, tomorrow you want to go in my daughter's bathroom. My daughter wouldn't fight it. She thinks differently. But the bottom line is is I, if I got a little kid, there's no way in the world, or even a teenager, there's no way in the world. You walk in there, I see a man obviously walking in the woman's bathroom. They're going to be some trouble. They're going to be some throwdown up in here. Genesis 9. Genesis 9. Genesis 9. You ready? 9, 5, 6. I will certainly demand an accounting – for the blood of your lives, I will demand it from every animal and from every human being. I will demand from every human being an accounting for the life of his fellow human being. Whoever sheds human blood by a human being will be will his own blood be shed. For God has made human beings in his image. Mm. Abortion doctors. Abortion doctors, you better you better be shaken. I know of a guy, I know of a guy. I'm trying to get him on this show, and he's just a very nervous, very... Um, he's a Christian now. He thought he was a Christian before, but he's truly a Christian now. Uh, he was an abortion doctor. He's out of the medicine completely, 100% out of the, out of. That was his living. He made his living doing abortions, and he went through a very powerful uh, faith experience where he was confronted, and you know he he eventually confessed. If I can get him on the show, I, I'm telling you, he's he talks so quiet though. He's just such a quiet talker. We'd have to turn him so far up. I mean, bust your eardrums. But he, he's really an amazing human being in his story. But he, he said he cries himself to sleep every single night. Even though he knows God has forgiven him, he's going to the foot of the cross for the literally, and I kid you not, literally thousands of abortions he's performed. Uh, he, he's been at the edge of suicide many, many times. He understands the redemption and forgiveness. God says, I'll remember your sins no more. But then he comes back to this verse and says, Whoever sheds human blood by a human being, will his own blood be shed? For God made human beings in his image. He said, you know, I just told myself it was a blob of protoplasm. It was a fetus. It wasn't a human. That's how I got through it. And then then one day somebody talked to him. Drip, drip, drip. They dripped on him little by little. Little by little. Kindly, but powerfully. They spoke into his life. Boom. Two days later, he closed his practice. Closed his practice. I can't do this anymore. I asked him, I said, why didn't you go and, and do other kind of law, other kind of uh, medicine? Why didn't you do that? He said, you know, when you spend this number of years performing abortions, killing babies, you just about forget about all other medicine. That's your thing, and that's where you make your money. He said, you'd be shocked to know where the money comes from. The money flow is powerful. Let me just ask you this. I mean, this is this is the collision of faith and politics. So there's going to be faith and there's going to be politics. But but here's a little political thing, and, and help me with this. Maybe you know. 
Why is it the left is always wanting to de-god things? You know, they, their convention, the the uh, Democrat convention, they, they voted, what, 34 times to take God out of any mention. Any mention of God, just take it out. No prayer, no nothing. We want no part of it. They're always representing the abortionist and the person who, who seeks to, to participate in the abortion industry by on the receiving end. I don't call him a patient. I refuse to call him a patient. You're a customer. Why is it the left is always pushing for that? Why? I don't understand it. I don't, why is that their image? Killing babies. They're so pro-LGBTQ that they want LGBTQ to be able to go in the wrong bathroom and say, well, come on, that's not hurting anything. Why? Why are they always on that? And why are we so quiet? Why are we so peaceful? God didn't command us for that. Man, we're up against the days of Noah. Speaking of the days of Noah, Genesis 9, 5 through 6, these are in the days of Noah. This is before Mosaic Law, pre-Moshe. Don't think it's obsolete thinking from the Mosaic Law, by the way. If a man was killed, the man or beast who caused the death has to pay with their own life, his or its own life. God says here, I will require the life of man. Look, here's the bottom line in plain language. Killing or bloodshed wasn't always wrong. You need to understand that. But it was wrong. When it was wrong, the penalty was ultimate. Look, we learn here that there's a sanctity to spill blood. Why? Two reasons. Life is precious. Life is precious. I knew you in the womb. I formed you. I knit you with my hands, God says. Life is precious, and there's life in the blood. There's power in the blood, power in the blood, the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus. When blood is shed, something precious is lost. You might not think blood is precious. You just think it's just something in your body, bodily fluid. Well, it is, but it's precious to God. You don't have blood, you don't live. Here's the second reason. This is the second reason. Their sanctity spilled blood, and that's an attack on man is an attack on the image of God. At a trivial level, you're messing with sculptures in God's art studio. In God's view of bloodshed, it isn't merely a physiological event, but it's an assault on the divine image. Why is murder publishable why is murder punishable by death? It says, For in the image of God made he man. Let's talk about David. There's some price. There's some price. Somebody's going to pay a price. Somebody is going to pay a price for shedding blood. Even if it was done righteously. Look, in we learn about David. You know, David, powerful, powerful story. Talk about redemption. And, and talking about a dude with hurts, habits, and hangups, right? We've got a lot of hurts, habits, and hangups. David certainly had that, but he sought the mind of I mean, he was, this is guy, a man after God's own heart. I mean, look, you know, study David. Come on. David is a man who loved God and who was loved by God. God says, man, I love that guy. God raised him up to defend Israel. God sent David to physically fight and defend Israel. Look, when David killed Goliath and Philistines, in all these different battles, it was a God's command. God said, go do this, and he did it. They were righteous killings. Now, oh, come on. you got to understand that. Righteous killings, right? None of us disagree. Goliath was 
you know, terrorizing people, killing Israel, you know, I mean, just killing people willy-nilly because it was fun, because it was easy. Just because it was easy. First Chronicles 28.3, but God said to me, now this is, he's talking to, this is David talking. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name. Why do you say that? Because he wanted to build him a temple. Because you have been a man of war and shed blood. Here's Chronicles, First Chronicles 22.8. But the word of Jehovah came to me saying, thou hast shed blood abundantly and thou hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. David wants to build a house for the Lord. He wants to build this house, and that's a good desire, folks. We can't, look, people, we can't argue with that. Well, that's great. He wants to build a temple. Wouldn't God be for this? When we recreate God in our own image, what do we do? We say, well, God should do that. My God, he would allow him to do that because he's wanting to serve him. You know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to let him do that because, you know, he's a good man. He said you were, you loved him and he loved you and he, he was after the heart of God and all that stuff. So why not let the man? Why not bake the darn cake, right? Why not give the flowers for the wedding, right? Come on. But here's what, here's, this is a good desire. We can't argue with that. That's the point I want to make. Can't argue with that. But God says, David, you are disqualified from doing this. You're not going to build me a temple. Why? Not because of the murder of Uriah, not because of his adultery with Bathsheba, not because of any of the other huge things that he did. And I can't throw rocks. I have hurts, habits, and hang-ups a mile long. But it's because of the, all these wars and because David has shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. David had killed men in the sight of God, and that even though it was he was obeying God and engaging in those wars, yes, he was. Did David sin in shedding all this blood? No, but shedding blood is so significant to God that David was unfit for certain ministries. You know, I'm going to put this out to you. Sometimes the warfighter, sometimes the sheepdog, he's doing the right thing. He or she doing the right thing. You know, man, they're, they're paying a greater price than we realize, than anyone realizes. Look, the point I want to make to you is killing somebody is not a light thing. Our cultural... Our cultural, I want to say desensitization, but but it's not really that because we submit to it. Our cultural, our culture casually depicts killing. You look at your TV. You look at your TV, your movies, your video games. Killing, whether it's illegitimate or legitimate, it's portrayed. You see it so often. You see it so often. You see it with such frequency. It's so casually that people are, are relatively desensitized to it. Life and death on screen means nothing. Reboot. Oh, I got I earned another life. You come to the street, people are killing each other left and right. Why? Because you said the wrong thing. Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Amen? My buddy Steve. Look, here's the bottom line. Shedding blood. Taking the life of another person. It's a big deal. I don't want to minimize that at all. Your life is forfeit. If you, wrong, if you wrongfully take the life of another, even if you take life in a permitted manner, it's, it's serious enough that it can disqualify you from certain types of spiritual service. That's the real deal. Even if you're the good guy, you're marked in the eyes of God. I didn't say you're guilty. I said you're the good guy, but you're marked in the eyes of God. I'm merely showing you that God viewed godly David differently because David had killed men, though righteously. Let me tell you. 
I'm going to say it again. There's a great price that warfighters, sheepdogs, and defenders of life pay. Now, if you ever have to take a life, somebody comes in your home, let's, if you're a gun owner, let me just say this. If you're a gun owner, go to my website, theninjapastor.com or drshongreader.com. There's a banner at the bottom, second call defense. Please click on that. If you don't have this protection, you are unprotected. I'm just telling you, this whole spiritual business, I can't help you with that other than tell you what the truth is. But I can tell you, in, a, in the most violent anti-gun society, anti-Christian, anti-Second Amendment, anti-Constitution society. If you don't have that, you think your insurance protects you, it doesn't. Not only does it, your insurance not protect you, it excludes it. It excludes protecting you. You say, well, I'm a legal owner of a gun. I'm in my own house. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You'll see. You will see. Second call defense. Go to the ninjapastor.com, click on that banner. You will see it. It's absolutely powerful. There's videos. There's all kinds of free We'll even send you some free stuff. If you sign up, you'll get a month for free. Awesome. I won't be without it. My whole family's covered. It's never, look, bloodshed's never a light thing, even if you're in the right. Here's the thing. I want to ask you this question. Does the believer have an obligation to resist evil and protect life? Think about it. Look, having looked at the obligation to preserve life and the biblical view of bloodshed, let's take a look now at passages dealing with self-defense and the use of lethal force. Old Testament passages. Let's just talk about that for now. Lethal force, self-defense, and we'll just start in the, in the Ten Commandments. Right? Because the, the left, nobody knows more about the Bible than, than the anti-God left, right? Starting Ten Commandments. Well, I just want to say for my safe space here, uh, your own Bible, I mean, your own Bible and your own God says, you shall not murder. And you're not supposed to judge either, so it's your own Bible says that. You shall not murder. Well, the, the operative word there is murder. Murder is wrong. Murder means, especially when you, when you draw it back to the original Hebrew, murder means the premeditated killing of another. It's wrong. Killing in a fit of emotion, also wrong. And it's prohibited here. But as we'll see later, accidentally taking the life of another person is also wrong. We've got to do all we can to avoid it. Try as hard as you can to not take another person's life if you can help it. I've stated this prohibition. We've been clear about that. Let's look at some of the other qualifiers. Leviticus 24, 16 and 17. And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. Oh, somebody pinch me. Blasphemes the... Hold up now. Now, I have a duty. It said earlier, I have a duty. I have an obligation. I have a duty. I have an obligation. I've got to do the right thing here and protect other people. You know what that right thing is? It says if I don't warn them, the Scripture said earlier in, in, in my conversation here, if I don't warn them, if I'm the watchman on the wall and I don't warn him, I deliberately don't warn him, guess what? The Bible commands my blood. God commands my blood be shed. I'm, my blood will be shed as a result. Whoever, this is not me. I'm not making this up. Leviticus 24, 16, 17. And whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as him who is born in the land, when he blasphemes the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. How many people do you know blaspheme the name of the Lord? Do you say anything? Or are you quiet? 
Do you say anything? Somebody blasphemes the name of the Lord. Do you say anything? Or are you quiet? It says here, whoever blasphemes, look, that's the, that's the sin that's unpardoned. Blaspheme in the name of the Lord unless you shall repent. It's not the unforgivable sin. It's the unforgiven sin. Unless you go to the cross and you repent. So if you know the price of it is death. If you know the price of it is death. And you don't warn them. Guess what? Their blood is on your hands and your blood will be spilled. You've got to warn them. You've got to tell them, hey, man. Look, you can't stop them. People say, well, I can't stop somebody. Yeah, the First Amendment. What comes first? The Bible or the First Amendment? Bible or the Constitution? What comes first? God, the creator of all heaven and earth? Nature nature's God? Or goes the Constitution? Or safe spaces? Come on, y'all. You know the answer to that. God comes first. And his word says, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord will surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as he. You say, well, this is modern times. That's Old Testament. Nobody listens to that. Verse 17, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. Now kills. Different deal. It's a different deal here. The words here, people don't get it twisted now. You've got to study the Scriptures. You've got to go back to the original language and learn to study the Scriptures. You say, well, I don't have time. I did that for you, from myself and countless others. From verse 17, we see that killing was a crime requiring capital punishment. Killing here is defined uh, up there. We talked about that. But note, not all killing is wrong. In verse 16, what did it say in verse 16? Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. There were times, such as in civil judgments, in which killing was commanded and sanctioned. Blasphemers were to be killed. Go ahead and blaspheme the name of the Lord. Blaspheme the name of God. Go ahead and do it. My job is to warn you. You keep doing it. The blood is on you. Your own blood is on you, not me. My job is to warn you. My job is to warn you. Verse 17 itself, you guys heard me read it. Whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. So we already see two qualifiers in the qualifier in the command, thou shalt not kill. Killing a man in capital punishment for murder or blasphemy is permissible. Look, we saw earlier, remember I talked about the ox or your dog? I gave you an example. Your dog bites people. You know that. You don't do anything about it. You don't protect the public from it. The, or, you know, the roof that you didn't tell them, look, there's a bunch of holes up there. There's not wood underneath. So when you step on it, if you step in the wrong place, guess what? You're going to fall through and you might die. You don't tell people about that. That's your negligence. You're deserving of capital punishment as well. Killing a man for causing a negligent death, it was permissible. Look, the guy who hit me, he was going 109 when he hit the median, crossed over the median, went airborne, went 48 feet. When he landed, he scrubbed down to 92 miles per hour, changed my life forever. Six feet into the turn lane over essentially what's three lanes of traffic. I did all I could to avoid him. He killed his friend. Crash I was in, he, the guy died. 17-year-old boy died for no reason. The Bible says that that his negligent death was permissible. I would say this: you drive like that, you know better. That kid was old enough; he's 19 years old. He knew better. You know, in a borrowed car, believe it or not, borrowed car driving like that. He had just gotten two tickets: one for reckless driving. Exodus 21: 12 through 15. Numbers 35: 6 through 34. Deuteronomy 19: 1 through 13. I don't have time to read them to you now, but I I would like for you to read them. You look, you just come to my don't sweat it if you've missed anything. 
soon after the show, the engineers work on this. They they edit out a bunch of stuff. They make it clean, and then they post it. So if you go to the ninjapastor.com, there's a there's a uh, short link there. Click on that. Share it with your friends. Uh, we'll finish it. Don't worry. We'll we'll finish it. We're not going to finish it right now, right today, but we will finish it. But that but those passages give further qualification to the prohibition to kill. The Lord deals with accidental killing where there is no negligence, and He does that in Deuteronomy 19:4. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in time past, it even gives an example. As when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber, his hand swings a stroke from the axe and cuts down a tree, and the head of the axe uh, slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. You didn't mean for that to happen. Now, if you knew it was like that and you didn't tell him, hey, buddy, be careful about that axe. Better yet, fix the axe. Maybe get a new axe. Get you a new axe. And in these passages, it talks about establishing cities of refuge. In the Bible, it gives an example. Look, the Bible, the Holy Bible is an example of extraordinary. It's a library, 66 books, an extraordinary library of literary genius. Look, if you if you unintentionally kill, if you accidentally kill somebody, it's totally not motivated by anger or hatred or you've got no negligence. It's just, you know, something you're driving down the road and something broke on your car and it immediately turns you in the left lane and, and you kill somebody. And you're like, look, I, I was just driving it. Boom. And by the way, my buddy from Jerry, thank you for saying this. That is not to be. I talked about, um, you know, the cities of refuge in the Bible, not sanctuary cities that are being done today where you're not going to be prosecuted for a crime, for being an illegal or whatever else. Different thing altogether. Thank you, Jerry. But you're not going to be put to death if you if you were involved in an accidental killing, totally accidental. If you went to one of these cities of designated cities of refuge, then you wouldn't be. It's like house arrest, except it's stronger than house arrest. Uh, Numbers 3525 says, if you wander out of the city of refuge, you may be put to death if the avenger uh, of blood finds you. But if you're there, you're good to go. You're safe. So, you, so, so if you were guilty of an accidental killing, you had to go to the city of refuge until the, the high priest said you're good to go home. By the way, this is a beautiful picture of Christ's work on the cross. Christ, the city of refuge in which we must remain hidden. And Christ is the high priest. He takes our death. He takes our guilt. He sets us free. Look, if you have no malice, no negligence, you you just it was almost as serious as murder in God's eyes, but you didn't do anything to make that happen. Let's not get it twisted. Just because God makes a merciful provision as he does here, it doesn't remove the fact that you're worthy of death or unintentional for unintentional killing. Even though we're shown grace and forgiveness for our wrong, we give them a, uh, a city of refuge and all those types of things, doesn't mean we, we don't pay any consequences. Look, it, it could wear on you. You might not ever have friends. Look, this kid is whining that, that drove the car that almost killed me, changed my life forever, took my took my my company, everything, took everything, almost everything. Only by God's provision and, and the kindness of friends and and some family, man, we're we're still in our house. But let me tell you what, it's hard stuff. Modern society, though, with all of their safe spaces and all that stuff, they try to recreate God in their own soft image. And it's not the case. It's not accurate. Pre 
meditated, intentional killing. Uh, great example, Jerry from Pennsylvania. How many illegals are here accidentally? Steve from Ohio answers it this way, zero. If you're an illegal alien here, you've committed that crime willingly and wantonly. I don't care how so- sad your story is. Do it the right way. But look, if you committed a premeditated, intentional killing, you killed in passion, you were fired up and you killed somebody because you were mad, there was no provision for you for protection in the city of refuge. You were to be handed over and put to death. Exodus 21.14, Deuteronomy 19.11, Numbers 35.16. So this far, we see, we only have seven minutes left. This far, we see that killing someone out of hatred, negligence, negligence, sheer accident, they're subject to capital punishment. In the case of sheer accident without negligence, God established this network of cities of refuge. A merciful provision. This Spare the life of the killer, but you had to live in there. You had to do that. There was a consequence. Consequences came to you. You had to live there. How about victims of crime? Exodus 22, 2 and 3. If a thief is found breaking in and he's struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. There's two cases here, folks. In Exodus 22, 2 and 3, there are two cases here. In the first case, if somebody breaks into your home and it's nighttime, it's dark, you kill them, you're not held guilty of any, no guilt at all of murder. You're not deserving of capital punishment. You don't, no disruption in your life. You don't need to flee to a city of refuge to preserve your life. Look, if it's nighttime, it's dark, and somebody's broken into your house, they don't announce if they're there merely to steal jewelry or tools or whatever. Listen up now. Listen up. You ready? If it's dark and you have no way of knowing somebody's coming to kidnap, to rape, or to murder, you are blameless. If you kill the criminal in this situation, you are blameless in the, in the eyes of God. But the passage also does make it clear that if a man is breaking in at night with the intent of theft or worse, rape, murder, kidnapping, whatever, the defendant, you, you, look, the person who, they can, you own the house, you can defend, righteously defend yourself with lethal force. But there's states all across this country that we've allowed the left to say that conservatives have allowed this to happen. Christians have allowed this to happen. We don't understand the Bible. We don't appreciate the truth and power of the Bible. We say, well, you've got a duty to retreat. You've got to run out of your house. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. First of all, it's unscriptural. Well, you've got to, if you can get away, get away. It's not worth it. It's what insurance is for. No, it's not. But then there's a stipulation that if it's daytime, you you could determine what they're doing. If there's somebody that's hungry, they, they you know they've wandered in. There's no weapons on them, whatever. Doesn't mean you have to give them anything you want. You call the 911 just like you would normally do. But and there's there's no like they're passed out or whatever. You can't just walk up and shoot them. Daylight, you can see something like that. You just can't walk up and shoot them. If you can, if you do discern evil intent, guess what? You press the boom switch. You protect your family. You protect yourself. You have an obligation. We talked about that earlier. If they're there to commit a crime and you see that and you discern that, assault, murder, kidnapping, rape, anything, different laws and rules would apply. Although the crime of theft is not by itself worthy of death. Kidnapping was worthy of death. Exodus 21.16, Deuteronomy 24.7, as was murder. Matthew Henry writes this. He was a great commentary writer. If it was in the daytime that the thief was killed, he that killed him must be accountable for it, unless it was necessary in defense of his own life. We ought to be tender of the lives 
even of bad men. The magistrate must afford us redress, and we must not avenge ourselves. Oh, man, we're almost out of time. Now, this time goes fast, doesn't it? It really, really does. Now, let's look real quick. Let's look at two examples of defending your own life against murderers. Nehemiah 4, 8 through 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I can't do it. I'm out of time. But in Nehemiah 4, Israelites have been sent back from captivity to rebuild Jerusalem. They're rebuilding their lives with the sanction of the civil ruler, King Artaxerxes. This wasn't a wartime scenario. It was closer to like racial integration scenario where racists wanted to kill them. Think of the KKK, which was a Democrat organization, threatening black owners and students. They're surrounded by people who hate them. They want to kill them. These were citizens, not soldiers. Nehemiah 4.13 says that people stationed people by families around the city. They were not trained soldiers. They weren't law enforcement officers. They were merely concerned residents and settlers, citizens. They weren't law enforcement. They weren't soldiers. Citizens. Note that the families, these families were armed, their swords, their spears. If you get a chance to read that, Nehemiah 4, 8 through 23, read the whole thing. It talks about they were armed with their swords and their spears and their bows. This is a situation where they're willing to apply legal, lethal force to defend themselves. Man, I got to go. I, I, look, I'm going to bookmark this right here. I'm going to stop. I promise you that next week, barring anything major uh, that comes up that, that would preempt this, um, I am going to finish this. I promise you. I'm going to finish this. I'm I'm not going to let it go. Listen, in closing, uh, go over to theninjapastor.com. In about 30 seconds after you're there, a little thing will pop up. Put your name in. Put your email. You'll get mailed um, an opt-in thing. We don't share your information with anybody. I don't even look at it. Uh, When we send a thing out, it's it's to everybody. you know, and if you ever want to unsubscribe, every single thing I send you will have that provision there. Uh, we don't want anybody to get spammed. We don't do any of that. We don't sell your name, none of that information. Go there, fill that out. We would love to have you. Uh, that we can hear about all different speeches I'm giving, different places I'm going, or appearances on TV or radio. So that's the thing. Listen, I love you. I love, uh, I love this audience. I love my uh, Kehala audience on Sundays. We eat well there, let me tell you. Um, when we come back next week, we're going to talk about swords, spears, and bows. We're going to talk about lethal force. We're going to talk about how that translates to today. I'm going to give you some direct correlations, give you some really powerful examples. Look, you know, we're in the fight of our lives in this country. Centerforselfgovernance.com. I'm telling you, it is the secret sauce. I'm not kidding around about that. It's, it's the real deal. If you want to know more information about it, get a hold of me, theninjapastor.com. Go over or drshawngreener.com. Go over to contact me. Send me a message. We'll exchange information. We'll chat about it. We'll chat about it. It's the real deal. We've got to do it, folks. We've got to do it or all is lost. Pick up your Bible. Dust off your Bible. If you can't afford a Bible, we'll find a way to get one to you. It's that serious. It's that real. Thank you for joining me. God bless America. i tell you what. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for cheering us on. Take care. Have a great, great week. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. 
www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. <laughs>